my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Hello, and welcome to season two of the Future Legends of Advertising podcast on iHeart, featuring the hottest up-and-coming stars in advertising, as well as the biggest legends in the game. In this series, we explore the future of the advertising industry through never-before-heard conversations between those who created it and those who are shaping its future. We're your hosts, Haley Romer and Ross Martin. Now, let's meet the legends. Welcome. I'm so excited to introduce today's episode, which features two complete and total rock stars, Goddess Rivera and Aaron Walton. And first, I'm going to bring out Goddess, but before I do, a word or two about this woman who is clearly having a moment, but I think she's already had several moments in her career. She is about to be inducted into the 2023 American Advertising Federation's Hall of Achievement. She spent four years in marketing at the artist formerly known as Twitter, where she drove strategy and worked at a high level with community leaders, content partners, influencers, creators, brands. Before that, she was the Director of Inclusion and Cultural Resonance at VMLYNR which is a role that she created. She's done that before, actually. She's created roles before. In 2022, she became Disney's first VP of inclusive marketing. I think she created that role too. And most recently now, she's the chief content officer for Essence Venture. The accolades for Goddess are many. 2018 Ad Age Women to Watch, and they were right. Also featured in Adweek, Campaign, Marie Claire, Forbes, Digiday, The Drum, BET's Most Innovative and Influential Business Executives, Fortune 40 Under 40. I could go on and on, but then we wouldn't get to hear from her. So let me bring on to the show. Welcome to the podcast, Goddess Rivera. Oh my goodness, Ross. Like, thank you so much for having me. I felt like I was having a moment with that. You don't hear the rundown too often. Well, <laughs> I get to remind yourself. You earned it. Here's the thing, like, you're about to actually, it's about to happen. You're about to get inducted into the Hall of Achievement. There's only a couple hundred people over many, many years, 31 years that have been in this. It's a huge honor. How are you feeling about this AAF Hall of Achievement Award? You know, I, it's so interesting because my dad used to always tell me, make sure you take a minute and just stop and think about what you've done. And 
I will tell you that I hadn't taken that minute until I had the opportunity to be a part of this process. And I'm very grateful to you all for allowing us to really take a second and take stock in what we've been trying to accomplish and the things that we have accomplished. So I am completely just in reverence and I am so grateful and honored, I think, that I had a chance to look back and say, hey, not all of them, because I still got a lot to do, but a few of the things that I set out to do, I was able to accomplish. And I don't think that I would have actually taken a moment and stopped and even said that to myself if it wasn't for the incredible recognition of our amazing community. So I'm so grateful and honored to be a part of this very awesome, very dope crew. So I'm also ready to party if you know me. So. <laughs> I am too. I am too. And thank God this year, it's finally a dinner and a nighttime event. So people can do that. Yeah. The, mm-hmm. the class that you're in is the most diverse class in the history of the Hall of Achievement. Do you know any of the other inductees? What do you think about the class? You know, this, I feel like this is the class, y'all. Like, I know there's some great classes, but I feel so proud of this class. I do. So I remember meeting Morgan. She was already doing her thing, founder of Blavity. And I met her when I was nominated in 2017 for an Ad Color Change Agent Award. And it's so amazing that we just had a second to be like, hey, girl, I see you, you know. And then, you know, through the years, we have been, you know, always cheering each other on. And it's so amazing to be in this class. She's grown her family now. You know, there's just so many great things happening to people, both in our work and our personal lives. And we're able to be on this path. And also, I'm sister company to Mr. Travis. So, you know, talk about um, Richard Lou Dennis calls himself a proud papa. He's got two companies uh, with two, you know, AEF Hall of Achievement uh, honorees. And it's just amazing. I'm so proud to see what Black is, is doing. And Travis is just a rock star. And, you know, there's, I think there's just something to, again, going back, you know, 10 years, going back 15 years when I used to say, I'm going to show people why people in the community that I come from matter, people who look like me can do great advertising work. And, you know, so many times it wasn't always easy. And so I think now to see a class like this in the Hall of Achievement I just hope that we really represent for the communities that we're coming from and to be so diverse. I know that there's a lot of folks who are proud of us. No kidding. And so when we think about this podcast, Future Legends of Advertising, we paired you up with Aaron Walton. And I know you, nobody could see your face right now, but it's it's like it's a mind, mind blown, the mind blown, blown <laughs> emoji, y'all, because of my gosh. So what, what, like, what did you think? Because you've never met him, right? Like, you don't really know each other. We never really got a chance to connect. I mean, the first thing that went over my head was legend, 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 legend. And you saw, you know, I sent over some questions like, let's talk about that moment. Because, I, you know, to me, I wanted, you know, when I started my work in the industry, I want to just do great work that was culturally relevant. But in doing that, I knew that there was groundbreaking things to happen. And to me, Aaron just set the bar with that type of work. You know, I remember just thinking with some of the work that he did, I'm like, oh, he completely changed the way you think about paid media. He completely changed the way you think about integrated campaigns with something that was so cool that people didn't even probably realize was marketing, right? It was just part of the storytelling. And so, and on top of being, having the courage to have your, and go out on your own 
and have your own, you know, agency and namesake and have it be so successful. I just was so honored to even be able to have a conversation. Well, before we bring him out, let's talk about the recent Hall of Fame inductee, Aaron Walton. I mean, we're you're only at your halfway mark if you're in the Hall of Achievement, so you have quite a ways to go. But I a think, Goddess, I do think you're going to get there. I, I do, looking at your trajectory right Thank now. You. So Aaron is the co-founder and CEO of the full-service independent agency, Walton Isaacson. Magic Johnson was one of the co-founders and early investors. It's sort of a very long list of accolades for Walton Isaacson as an agency that I think we all look up, I look up to. I know one in particular, which was the Black Panther partnership between Lexus and Marvel Studios, which I still regard as one of the best I've seen in decades, but also so much work, iconic work with McDonald's, American Airlines, Bristol-Myers Squibb, PNC Bank, Amazon. It goes on and on. I think Aaron began his career just a few years ago at PepsiCo, uh, where he worked on, I believe, Pepsi and Mountain Dew. He served on the boards of many organizations, but two of the most impressive to me, Human Rights Campaign and GLAAD. The four A's named him one of the 100 people who make advertising great. That's true. He's a two-time recipient of the Ebony Magazine Power 100 list. And I think I'll never forget, I had the honor, distinct honor, of voting for Aaron's class of the Advertising Hall of Fame. I'll never forget the first page of his recommendation. Somebody called him an angelic troublemaker. And I, I love that so much. So please welcome, that. yeah, please welcome to the podcast, Aaron Walton. Oh my gosh, what an introduction. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And Goddess, let me tell you something. I have been following you and thinking to myself, this woman is transforming our industry in a way that I wish when I was starting out, I could have done. So you are just paving the way for so many people that things you've done are just mind-blowing. So thank you for what you're doing for the industry. Congratulations on the Hall of Achievement. That's pretty damn awesome. I mean, that's really, really, really amazing. So, and by the way, Ross, I just want to correct, I was on the board for GLAAD, but I'm not on the board anymore, but I love the work that they're doing. So did they kick you off the board for no, like? No, you just. <laughs> what happened? Why aren't you We're on the board? Going Aaron off a board. You turn off after a while, and, and you know I'm on six boards, and it's like there's only so much time of the day in the, in yeah. the year that you can do what you want to do. Can I ask you, Aaron? I gotta, I gotta ask you two things. One, you gave a really powerful speech when you were inducted into the Hall of Fame, and I wonder if you could talk about. People can look it up online. I wonder if you could talk about really how that moment felt to you when you won last year and then maybe offer goddess some advice when she gets up there because these are very personal awards i know you are leaders who are super collaborative i know you are but these awards are individual awards so aaron what was that like and what would you say to goddess here's what i will tell you and it still feels very surreal to me um uh, you know, the only thing I ever wanted to do was be a part of this industry. And I, and I mentioned that in, in the speech. And I suffer a little bit, quite frankly, from the imposter syndrome. So it was kind of a little odd for me to be there, although 
I am so appreciative of being recognized to be a part of that incredible class. And by the way, that was the most diverse class of honorees that uh, had been inducted as well. And it was also really, really amazing because I've worked with most of those folks, right? So I've worked with Antonio Lucio. I've worked with Lewis Carr. Um, John Wren had bought my first company. So I felt this kinship with the other inductees that was real similar to what you were, you were saying in terms of you know, knowing some of the other folks. My advice was uh, what would be to just be as vulnerable and as honest as you can because people genuinely want to hear the truth. They want to hear what it was that you know you went through, why it is that you're there. Well, we'll know why you're there because we can see the accomplishments that you've, you've made. But I, I think what resonated with the audience was you know, my just being honest about what the journey was like and why it was so important. And, uh, you know, I was one of the first openly gay inductees. And, you know, when I think about it, when I started in this industry, this is my first job at Pepsi was in 1983. It was a different world, right? I wasn't out. Some friends knew, but I wasn't really out at work. And I, you know, finally at one point just said, this is who I am and this is what I'm going to do. And and uh, I think people really appreciated that. So the other great thing for me was, you know, just seeing my parents in the audience. And I'm 62 years old and I'm still very concerned about making sure that they were proud and that they got acknowledged. And I wanted to do that in a speech. And I just watched my mom and dad sitting there with their iPhones, like videotaping me. And then at the end of the night, I was laughing. I said to one of my friends who was there, I was like, watch my dad. And, you know, they have the programs with all these beautiful ads that, you know, clients have, have taken out. And I was like, my dad looks like he's bussing tables. He was going around to each of the tables to pick up the programs <laughs> that were left so that he could send them out to his friends. And I just thought, oh, my God. I said, Dad, what are you going to do with us? No, I got people that need to see this. I got people that need So it was, oh, it was lovely. Love it was great. But yeah, it was, this has got to be a moment for you. Just let that sun come in and bathe all over you in a way that you deserve and take it in. It's a lot. It's, you know, it can be a little overwhelming, but uh, you deserve it. I mean, there's a reason you were there and you're going to inspire even more people, which is part of the responsibility. I, I looked at this as the beginning of what I'm supposed to be doing, right? Not the end of my career. Yes. And and so for me, it was like, okay, I've accomplished. But I say, I mean, the truth is, that's why it's a little difficult for me because mm -hmm. no one gets there by themselves. I mean, exactly. We have these incredible team members and I always feel a little bit guilty because I get the credit for this amazing work that so right. many people are a part of. Um, but it's, I looked at it and said, okay, what is this supposed to do for me? It's not about how I live my life. It's about what I'm supposed to do with this responsibility in the future. How am I supposed to provide opportunities for other people who look like me that didn't have an opportunity in this industry to stand up here and receive one of these awards? Because they're there. They just need to be recognized and, and need to be given to the, the path, which I know is part of what you've always been about, right? When I look at what you've done and how you've opened the door for diverse thinking, diverse 
you know, careers for people. It's great. I just, I, you know, you know, I, I have this, I'm an honoree and I'll be accepting it this, this week. And, but hearing you even say, when you open the call, Aaron, what I've been doing is, is blowing you away. It's just, it's so amazing for me to hear that from a legend like you, like you said, who started your career and couldn't even be your full self, right, in in the workplace. And that, you know, as I sat down to sort of write my remarks, you know, for accepting this award, it was what has always been my motivation, what has always been the cornerstone of what I'm trying to do. And I've been really fortunate to to do this in advertising, to do it on the platform side and now the media side and the client side. But I think that is why this moment just feels so surreal, I think is the best way to describe it, right? Because I think for me, there's a little bit of, I I wanted, I've been trying to show, there's a little bit, you'll hear me say this all the time. Everybody knows I'm from the Bronx, right? I, I rep that so hard. And and, you know, the point of it is that it's this counted out borough, right? It's counted out people, even though they created a global phenomenon called hip hop and so many other so many other amazing gems come from people who are often not thought of. And I've been trying to prove and showcase that there is value in everyone and there is value in people who are often less counted. And that has been my bedrock in every decision I've made, every role that I've created in different ways to do it, through storytelling, through advertising, through media, through investment, through inclusion and diversity and building diversity. But that has been just my sort of bedrock and, and shining star, the one that keeps me going when those really, really, really hard days. So yeah. I'm just so grateful to hear you recognize that. Thank you. You know, Ross, you talked about angelic troublemaker. That is a love that. phrase that Bayard Rustin coined. And for those of you who don't aren't familiar with, there's a new movie coming out, so you'll yes, there soon, is. I can't wait, you will soon know about Bayard Rustin. But for those listening and, and don't know, Bayard Rustin was probably one of the strongest advisors to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. It was Bayard who came up with the idea for the March on Washington, which is where Dr. King gave his I Have a Dream speech. And Bayard was a Black gay civil rights leader. And he was out during a time when it was very difficult. You know, this is back in the 30s and 40s when he was growing up. And what he talked about, and he was, by the way, also the person who introduced Dr. King to Gandhi and the ways of passive resistance. And so he was really ahead of his time. And what he talked about was the requirements for every community to have a group of angelic troublemakers where, you know, it's been kind of coined now as getting into good trouble, but it really was about how do we move people to think differently and do it in a way that may be uncomfortable for some, respectful to the communities that we are representing, but know that it is going to be uncomfortable and, and we have to be angelic in our approach to do it because that's how we're going to win. He also, at the end of his life, talked about the next great civil rights opportunity or the biggest challenge he said was going to be around LGBTQ+. And so I've always admired him and, and modeled how I move through the world based on and his philosophy. The two of you have really, in your careers, addressed so many of the challenges in our industry head on in, in your own ways. And you've done it in the context of both 
creativity and partnership and business. Like, so you're not just out there doing good in the world and moving the industry forward. You're actually, you're both driving business and have for a long time. But I want to ask you a question that I don't think you get that much, which is what's, what's going well in our industry? Like when you look at like what's happening, what are you excited about? What are you proud of? And you're like, yeah, I love being in this. Cause you said Aaron earlier, like you always wanted to be in this industry for both of you at different phases of your career. Like what's going great for the industry? Here's what I think that I'm optimistic about. I look at people like Goddess. I look at some of the younger people that are coming into our industry and they won't accept, but they can't understand why we aren't more inclusive. I had this conversation with a CMO one time and, and we were talking about expanding the communication to be much more diverse and, and looking at these other segments and, and the CMO said, oh, Aaron, you know, millennials are colorblind. And I looked at him and I said, okay, well, first of all, when is being blind a good thing? Actually, millennials are color comfortable, color confident. They can't understand anyone who doesn't understand that. And so I'm optimistic about the next generation of people coming in and their expectations about how brands and business should be moving forward and being responsible not only to the consumers that we serve, but also to the staff and the team members that are part of the organizations that we are working in. So I do think that that's, that's something to spark uh, some interest and some positive discussion around because at some point they're going to be in positions where they're controlling budgets and they're going to see the world the way that I think Goddess and I see the world, which is a more inclusive organization that doesn't just look different, but also gives the responsibility and the authority to make decisions that impact consumers in a way that is making the pie bigger and not smaller. Mm, I love that. I think you're absolutely right. There's a level of, I always say to like Gen Z, like, look, we, we, you know, folks were chiseling at the door. We were trying to kick the door and now like y'all are just running through it. Right. Also, I think we're at the point where a lot of the sort of systems that were set up for years and years are showing that they're not foolproof, that there were big misses, that people were left out, that we weren't getting the best work that we could get. And so now there's there's a way and reason to rebuild them. I think when I think about my what's going right right now, and for me, this has always been really interesting, it's the fact that the people who we are serving, whether it's folks that we're trying to hire, it's consumers who we're speaking to, that they have a way to speak to us. I think I always talk about the one-way street, right? The, even the, the printing press is one way and, you know, the radio is one way and then, you know, the TV is one way. But then we got to this moment where now people can tell us what it's like to be in, in their shoes, what their experience living is like, what they do and don't like. And I get it. It's a lot of people talking out there working, you know, now for any brand. People, I think a lot of brands and businesses sometimes get overwhelmed and scared of the idea that so many people have a voice when I think it's fantastic. I think it's the best thing about right now 
that we can sift through it and we can listen to it and we can learn from it and we can make ourselves better and we can fix what was broken because now we can hear so many more people's voices. And that's in many different ways through storytelling, through media, like in essence, through platforms like, you know, formerly known as Twitter or like even like a TikTok. And there's absolutely a lot of, you know, balancing that has to go with that. There's ways to evolve how we critically think and what we take in as information. There's a lot of that, but I still feel so positive that Many people who have something to say aren't waiting to be chosen to be on a pedestal or to be chosen to be the one who gets to speak to others. We are forced to listen to them. And I think that's the best thing that's happening now. So the more I think we embrace the beauty of that and not the fear of it because it looks like something may go wrong. Well, yeah, I mean, the entire world has a voice now. So let's listen to what went wrong. Let's let's do it. That That to me is invigorating. And I've been able to build my work and career, I always listen first in any role internally, externally, consumers, anything. So that that's really important to me. I think that's important right, for right now. You know, and I think, you know, in your new role at Essence, which is amazing. Congratulations on that. Uh, and congratulations, Essence, for getting Goddess. <laughs> that's a big win for you, too. But thank I you, think, you know, you. one of the great things about the festival, to your point, is it gives brands an opportunity to touch consumers face-to-face, unfiltered. That consumer that goes down there will tell you exactly how they feel, good or bad. And it really does provide another data point that is so critical if we want to evolve the brands and to make sure that we're you know, serving the customer the right way. And so that's great. I, I love what you said about that kind of feedback, that loop. I think there's just a couple of things. There's not a lot of people who've been able to have the type of career that you've had in, you know, the intersections that you are in those ways. And one of the things that I have always been fighting for in my career is something that I think you articulate really well. Of uh, I'm a Black American woman and they see us and they all see your role or your agency and say, oh, you serve you know, only Black audiences, you know, only Black things, you know, for me, only Black woman things, right? And now I sure do love being a Black woman. I'm at Essence Ventures. It's amazing, right? But, you know, we are able to, through this identity, speak to so many. And so I just would love to hear from your point of view, how did you get people and businesses and clients and and brands in the industry to take you seriously as being a top marketer who could speak to several different audiences, different verticals with the cornerstone of understanding that this is who I am, right? Where, you know, I am in this body and then making sure that they were able to to see that you could apply what you do across audiences and also not to exclude Black audiences from things like Gen Market. Yeah, that is such a great question. and, And I agree with you. It's kind of the common denominator for a lot of us who are diverse and want to work not just within the community, but beyond the segments that we love and celebrate and believe are important. I'll tell you, when I was at Pepsi and I was working on the Mountain Dew brands and on the Pepsi brand, I I was lucky because I had some mentors that really saw the value that I could bring beyond my blackness, right? Beyond my, certainly that was part of it and that influenced how I moved through the world. But 
they were very clear about making sure that I had an experience to go beyond just the segment work that they were doing. And that, that was at the nascent, you know, efforts for them doing segmented work. And I wanted that broad opportunity and have always fought for those kind of opportunities because I knew that, yes, there were moments that I needed to lean into that because that culture, that, that group was driving the conversation. They were driving the trends. They were driving, you know, how the broader consumer group was looking at the world, looking at that brand. And we needed to get acknowledged for that and get the budgets to support that, which is always the part that I'm always kind of pushing for because the demographic shift in the U.S. is changing so that the multicultural consumer is going to be the majority consumer. Actually, it is now. So we, we need to start acknowledging that. But it's always been a focus. What I tell folks now is I'm about culture. And culture is not just about ethnicity, right? There's all types of cultural things that move brands and move the way people think about brands, move the way people think about themselves. And there's an intersectionality that crosses that we have to celebrate all of it. I'm a gay black man. You know, I lean into all of those elements of who I am to move through my life. And why not stand up as a brand and celebrate those moments? Sometimes I lean into the LGBTQ plus community because of what it is that, which is one of the reasons I love HRC for what they're doing and how they're trying to make sure that all of that community is respected and celebrated and honored and included in the great work and the great laws that support all of us. So I guess part of what I've always done has been very, very clear about this is part of who I am. This isn't all of who I am. This is part of who I am. And I make sure that I'm unapologetic about it now. I make sure that people understand who I am. The second that I started doing that, my work started getting better. I started feeling better about myself, the types of people that were attracted to me and wanted to work for me, understood that they could come in and be their authentic self and own that. There's this great German philosopher from the 1800s. His name was Hegel. And he came up with something called the dialectic method as a way to explain how innovation and change happens. And the idea was every idea has an equal and opposite idea. And when the two ideas collide, they create a new one that consists of the best of the two. And I look at that from a cultural lens. I look at when I bring these amazing cultures together, something even bigger is going to happen as a result. And I help clients understand that that's not a bad thing. This is about making the pie bigger. This is about making the pie more relevant to a broader group. And when you start to, you know, beat that drum a lot, the good CMOs, the folks who are not afraid to be bold, to step outside of the box, start to get it and start to understand this is a future, not only for the consumers, but for the staff that I want to attract. And if I want to win, if I want to grow my business, then I better make sure that I'm, I'm doing that.
Aaron, I really appreciate that. I got to tell you, in season two, that has been, this question, actually, that God has asked has been recurring. The idea that if you are part of or you run a minority-owned, minority-led agency, then you're going to get the Black or the Hispanic RFP. You're not getting the general market RFP. And there is anger in these communities around that. But I think the way you just answered the question was so hopeful and optimistic and authentic and real. And I hope that a lot of people hear that because I think it can have a great impact on others. Goddess, you are, as we joked earlier, like people say that the Hall of Achievement Award induction is like the halfway mark of your career, which I don't know how many years you want to go doing this. You, you've done a lot. You can keep going. But <laughs> I, I, guess, I guess the question for you is like, you know, talking to Aaron and, and seeing what he's achieved in his Hall of Fame career, looking around you at all the stuff you want to do next, what are your goals for the, let's call it the back nine, the back half of that career? Like, what, are you, what are you looking forward to next? Oh, my goodness. I love that question. You know, I think I love the when we opened. One of the things I'm most proud of in my career is that I got to create several roles that never existed. That I'm proud of because it feels like a new path. I remember joking with my friends over at VML, YNR, and I was saying, I, I like broke the time clock, right? Because I was, you know, I was sort of halfway still on client side and, and working across. And then I was also doing some work on the HR side. So I was always say I'm billable and non-billable. And like, we couldn't figure out like how. So if you're an agency person, you get like how, how interesting that could be. But we did figure it out. But now literally there's a way to, you know, do your time as a billable and non-billable employee. There, there actually just wasn't before, right? So even just that small, that's a small piece, but it was a role that because I fought really hard when I said I wanted to think about inclusive audiences and I did want to work on how we staffed, how we brought diverse folks in the agency, but I didn't want to be taken away from the work because I wanted to make sure that I was still informing and using what I understood about the folks who were coming in and what I understood about these communities was informing the work that went out the door. So even something small like that is a progression into the, a different way to move. So when I think about the next era of my career, it is how am I continuing to create and grow? I, you know, I wrote the title Global Director of Culture and Community at my kitchen table in 2018, you know, when, when Jack Dorsey and Leslie Berlin and Nola Weinstein said, hey, we want you to come to Twitter and figure this out for us. I wrote that now to see that title across, you know, other platforms. It is mind blowing to me. So to me, it's how am I creating a ripple and then expanding that? And so I think also, and I, and I love the last question that we spoke about is, you know, people not being sort of put into a box and, and showcasing that as diverse people in this industry, we can do so much more. I think also about the fact that, and you know this, Aaron, it feels like the interest in us ebbs and flows, right? Sometimes. And I think you'll hear that too. We, you, you get a lot of interest and and people are apologizing and, and digging in hard. And then all of a sudden they're scared and that's to this and that's to that. We don't want to be too to this. And I think I'm going to be honest, for me, 
I want to see a consistent path. You know, my life is not a fad. It's not a trend to be in this body and to do this type of work for people who are in bodies like mine and, and in other, you know, communities that have been marginalized in different ways. And so I would love to be a part of keeping the consistent heartbeat into inclusivity across the board. And so I think this sort of peak and valley, I want to see that go away. I hope that by the time I'm in the Hall of Fame and the time I'm doing my retirement party, that my daughter, who's 12 now, she wants to follow in my footsteps. It's a constant drumbeat for her. And I think you get there by putting pedal to the metal when everybody else is pulling back. When you're keep pushing and flooring it and saying, nope, we're not going to stop. This can't be a thing that goes away or gets quieter or isn't as scary or uncomfortable. That's when I know that I need to make sure that I'm still going. So that is why I'm challenging myself. And I think about my role now and the way that I'm able to tell stories, just thinking about the stories that affect Black community, Black women, and other diverse communities under all of the amazing brands at Essence Ventures, like an Afropunk, like BeautyCon, and of course, Essence. Um, I know that I have to go deeper as a storyteller and deeper into what communities are are doing instead of shying away, because there's a lot of shying away happening right now. And Aaron, y'all can't see him, but Aaron is, is nodding with me. <laughs> uh, let me tell you something. I I am so glad you said it. it you know, after the, let's be real, after the George Floyd murder, everyone, you know, woke up and started paying attention. And my fear was that, to your point, it had been flowed, right? They would pay attention for a little while and then they would start to back off. And, and you hear things like, well, we don't want to, you know, celebrate the the differences. It's, it's, it's dividing us. And I say, Differences don't divide us. Disrespect divides us. And so we need to be celebrating these differences and honoring them. And you need to be consistent with it because the worst thing you can do is kind of jump on the bandwagon or, you know, do it for a little while and then say, okay, we tried and then back off. Consumers can smell that. Staff can smell it. And it is not pleasant. And so the reckoning will come when, you know, folks start to hold these brands and these companies accountable for what they said their commitment was going to be and what it actually turned out to be. And so this is not a one and done sort of thing. And I agree with you, you know, I'm so tired of, as a gay man, every election feeling like I have to, here we go again, someone's going to try and take my rights away. And I know this mm-hmm. is beyond what we're talking about for brands, but there's a real struggle in that and yeah. a real challenge in going through your life with that in the back of your head all the time. So, Well, you two are shining lights in this industry, not just for people who look like you, but even for me. Like I, I'm looking at you guys and I find I find what you're saying on this episode and how you've lived your careers to be a real driving force for somebody like me. So I appreciate you coming on this show and I need you to know that there's a lot of people that look up to the two of you who are going to listen to this and think that they can do it and they're going to learn from what you said today. So I'm grateful to you, Goddess Rivera, Aaron Walton, Hall of Fame, 
Hall of Achievement. I mean, it doesn't get any better than this. So thank you both for joining us on Future Legends of Advertising. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Well, that does it for this episode of the Future Legends of Advertising podcast on iHeart. I'm Ross Martin. And I'm Haley Romer. And thank you for listening. We'll be back with another episode before you know it. And for more information on the American Advertising Federation, go to aaf.org.